for me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt, or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. There are seven C's on the planet, and there are seven C's on a piano, but we're going to talk about four C's here on Your Next Step. Wow, I didn't know that. I'm yeah. not a musician. So. I, I, that's just a little fact, uh, Pastor Doyle, that's that I picked wonderful. up. This is Pastor Doyle's voice you're hearing here. Yeah. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy. We're from the church next door. Yeah, we've got four C's, not seven, that we're going to talk about Yeah, we today. talk about the four C's, and, and we've always used this here at the church in terms of we talk about a small group or when we talk about a new staff member or someone that's going to be a part of a, a ministry team or when we talk about marriage, we talk about the four C's. So the four C's are Christ. You know, you can't have a Christian marriage without Christ no. being at the center. He's the third so, chord. So he's he's really important. Then we talk about character chemistry and competency. Most of the world talks about character, chemistry, and competency. I can talk. I do that for a living. But, but you know, uh, it's important for us to understand if you're interested in a relationship with somebody and, and they are perpetually lying, that's not good character and that's not going to work. No. So character makes relationship competency. Some of those are, are learned. Some of those are developed. But Christ He's received. That's right. And and you have to but you have to choose him too. It's it's a hard one because yeah, you receive Christ, but you choose to take up your cross daily it, and to be like him. And that 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 then connects into the character and, and the competency stuff. So that's what we're gonna get started today, hearing about Christ, choosing and receiving. We're so glad you're here on your next step. We call this brave love. See, we look at Jesus and we say Fully God, fully divine, right? And yet we we totally discount how human he was. Do you know how bad that would hurt? To have your whole family show up at a big gathering and they're outside telling everybody you're crazy? Some of us have lived that. And see, it's painful. And so when I talk about Jesus... This shows us that Jesus was fully human. Jesus felt rejection from his own family. Jesus felt the pain and the sorrow. He was the Messiah. I believe with all my heart that he was fully human and fully divine. Jesus chose not to respond badly to his bad family experience. See, you and I may have had a bad family experience, but because we know Jesus, we can lean into a better way. This is why repentance is important. This is why we engage this. But I need you to take some time to become aware of who you are from your past and your family. And you have to unpack that. And the Bible invites us, Jesus invites us to healing for that brokenness in a new way. So I give you this question, how tight-knit was your family? This is what I mean. When I do pre-marriage counseling and Pastor Dan does pre-marriage counseling, this is one of the areas we dive into because we want to know, you know, your family, how close were they? I remember this. I remember one day Jennifer telling me, 
My mom, this is when we were dating. My mom asked if you kissed me last night. I said, excuse me? Number one, why would that be her business? And yet Jennifer thought that was totally normal because she and her mom talked about everything. All right. Yes, heads are nodding in the room right now. Because see, from, from her worldview, my mom never asked me. I don't think my mom's asked me if I kissed my wife yet. And I'm, I'm closing it on 30 years. I assume my mom assumes that that has happened. Because we have children. That's all I'm going to say. All right. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. Emotional awareness. That's all I'm saying, you know. Now, why is that? Because Jennifer's family had an expectation of a certain share level, a closeness. Uh, I had a different level on that certain subject. You see what I'm saying? Was your family really, did they do everything together? Was your family the kind of family we always roll up our sleeves and show up for one another? Or was your family the kind of family that's like, we trust you to take care of yourself. You've got that. You can handle that. You see, I'm not saying one is better than the other. In my family growing up, there were stories told about Uncle Dick and Aunt Mim. All right. They, uh, when they got married in their first years of their marriage, when they would come to the table, he would sit down, she would sit in his lap, and they would eat off the same plate for years. For years. Some of you right now are saying, there ain't no way I'm sharing my plate with anybody. It's my food. You get what I'm saying? Others of you right now are thinking, oh, how sweet. Wasn't that beautiful? Listen, I don't care where you are on that scale. I'm just telling you, if you grew up with Dick and Mim, you might think when you got to a dating relationship, you have to sit in their lap for every meal. So you're evaluating all your dates on whether or not you wanted them in your lap. See, you and I, we come to marriage, we come to life, we come to relationship. It doesn't matter if it's at school, if it's at work, if it's... See, you and I right now, we have standards and evaluations, and some of those are wrong, some of those are right. You have to sift through them and evaluate them. How about this? How about this next category? This is all about rules and, and, and procedures and how you approach things. In your family, was there a right way or a wrong way to load the dishwasher? See what I'm saying? Like, is, is there procedures for things? Are there rules to things? Or did your family, was it kind of free and open? Man, if we get them into the dishwasher before the weekend, that's good. You know what I'm saying? We just throw them away. We always eat on paper. We don't even believe in dishwasher. What is it... Let me give you an example from my family, okay? I grew up in the home of a veterinarian. And way back when I was a child, we had phones that were looked like boxes and they were attached to cords that went into your wall, okay? We had two of them. All my friends thought it was so cool because we had two phones. One was our home phone and the other was the business phone. You could not have two lines on one phone, for those of you that are confused by this whole process. But let me tell you this. When the phone rang, we answered, and this is why. It meant money. It meant we got food on the table. It meant that there was an animal that was sick somewhere, and its life might depend on our showing up and helping out. 
And so when the phone rang, we answered it. It didn't go on for three rings. I never, ever to this day have heard my dad's phone ring to three rings. We answered the phone on the first ring. Hello, Animal Care Clinic, may I help you? I could say that in my sleep today. I still know the phone numbers. And they don't exist in our family anymore. Now, why is that? That's the way my family was. You may have grown up in a family that's like, oh, I don't care if the phone's ringing. I'm not answering that. And, and what matters is this. When you get married, when you come into a relationship, when you go to work, and the phone's ringing, and the boss is like, can somebody answer that? You understand? We have different worlds. Now, why is that important? Because when you come into relationship, you've got to know what your standards are. So I'm going to give you what I call the four C's, okay? And I think this is important if you're dating, but I also think it can be highly important when you talk about hiring somebody to work for you. Does this mean I'm saying that, that you should not hire anybody who's not a Christian? No, I'm just asking you to consider that. But I am saying if you're going to date somebody, you better have the four C's. And the first one is Christ. Why is that? Because if they don't believe in the Messiah, Jesus, you're going to be headed in two different directions in your spiritual life. And I don't believe in missionary dating. I believe in missionaries. I believe in leading people to Christ. I think that's all good. But you should not missionary date, meaning date somebody and then try to get them to convert to Christianity. It will not go well with you. The second area is what we call character. What kind of character are they? Now, this becomes really important, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot because we're online church now. You know what I'm saying? And we live in a world where everybody does everything digitally. And so everybody meets one another digitally. This is the reason that I do online church. It's the reason we started online church three, four years ago. It's because we wanted people to come look at what it was like here to find out what we were like to surf through and have an imagination of what the church next door is like. Why do you go online? You go online, you look through their profile, you're trying to figure out a little bit about them. But is your goal to stay right there? No! You do not want to have a 40-year digital relationship. Your whole imagination is that one day you're going to meet the person. You're going to find out if they look like their profile picture. If they look like a model in their profile picture, and then you show up to meet them, and you're like, is this you? There's a character problem, isn't there? If they told you they're great at mountain climbing, and so you plan a date for mountain climbing, and they don't know the difference between a rope and a carabiner, you'd be in trouble, right? The reason we do online church is because we have an expectation that one day you're going to want to enter into the relationship. The reason you do online dating is that one day you might get to hold hands. See, the imagination that the digital world can meet all of your needs, we know better than that, don't we? It's a great starting point, but it's not the end all and be all. Chemistry. Do you, and I, do you and the other person get along? This is important at work. 
If you're working with people and they don't have character, chemistry, and ultimately competency, it's not going to work. In a dating relationship, if you're dating somebody, you're trying to figure out, is this going to go further? You want to know. You know, let, let's say you're a triathlete, right? You, you bike, you swim, you run. If the person you're dating, as close as they get to that, is going to first watch and ordering the triathlete breakfast, they are not, there's, there's not competency there, is there? Now, why is that important? Because in relationship, you want to be able to put in love and receive love that's on an equal, balanced level so you can gain freedom in life. We have more resources for you at DoyleJackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to DoyleJackson.com, give us their email, it'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And and that's what we want our our friends to do, because you're partnering with us. You're listening, and, and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson. Uh, we go through in this lesson the, the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. you got to go right. and get it, because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself, because it transforms us to confess that aloud. We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to... Yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture and yep. you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to DoyleJackson.com, put in your email. You'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. Let's continue with your next step. So I want to give you quickly three examples from the Bible that will teach us a lot about how this kind of system can be broken. And I told you in the beginning, I said that that the Bible gives us examples of failures as well as success, right? And you can learn, can you learn from somebody's failure so you don't repeat it, okay? The first example is Abraham and Sarah, okay? Genesis chapter 21, if you want to flip over there, you can look at the broader context. You're going to read a few chapters before that. You remember Abraham? Abe started out and God changed his name to Abraham. He gave him a promise. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation, okay? His wife was Sarah. Look at these verses, Abraham. In, in chapter 21, verse 5, Abraham was a hundred years old. Say a hundred. You need to capture that in your brain. He was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. 
Why do I think that's important? I think that's important because it shows us that God had a promise to them and that God fulfilled that promise for them, but it didn't mean it was that easy. It didn't come quickly. It was not like the Chick-fil-A drive through you know what I'm saying? It took some time. There was some difficulty there. There was some trust in God there. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't neat. Isaac, and he was not, Abraham was not the perfect dad or husband. I mean, he even denied that he was his wife at one time. She was so beautiful on two occasions. I mean, that is not a good relationship technique, okay? Deny the relationship that you have with your spouse, okay? That would be a ding in his character, wouldn't it? They had trouble getting pregnant. God answered their prayers. God answered that promise with Isaac. Now, what does it mean to have older parents? How many of you know someone who had a child of the old age? What did they do? They tend to spoil that child. If you're that child right now, you're angry at me because I just said that. I'm sorry. It's a fact. You've been ruined by too much love, all right? Isaac grew up thinking he was the end-all and be-all. But Isaac did have a half-brother, Ishmael, didn't he? Why did Ishmael exist? Ishmael exists because Abraham and Sarah didn't believe God was going to come through on the promise. See, you and I have struggled believing, will God come through on the promise? And we try to solve the problem through our own human effort. I keep telling you, humanism is a belief that you can solve your problems through human effort. And there are some issues which only God can solve. And God calls us to trust him for those areas. I'm not saying that you don't get up and go to work tomorrow. No, that's, that's an appropriate behavior. Now, why is all this important? Abraham's family were idol worshipers. History tells us they were idol makers. So they weren't just people that believed in idols. They made their living off of idols. And Abraham left all that behind. He stopped making idols and went from that to being a shepherd. That's a huge change in life. He went from being a city dweller, an urban salesman, to being a country boy. He left behind his family. I mean, think about this. All the demands, the pressures. And in the midst of that, he doesn't see God working out the promise and the plan he wants to. And he tries to, he goes to plan B. He gets Ishmael. What does that do? That causes problems for, for, for him, for Sarah, for Hagar, and Ishmael. But God was merciful. See, you may feel like an Ishmael. You may feel like somehow you were the result of a human effort. Your parents took it out or wrong. Just telling you, that's the way. But God will still bless you. He can still bless you. He can turn that around in your life, okay? Next example, Isaac and Rebekah. So Isaac is the child, the spoiled one, all right? But he's grown up under parents that believe in the living God and left everything behind. It's an example of of a new generation, okay? Now, Abraham gets older, and he realizes that all that's available for his son Isaac to marry is a bunch of ungodly people that live in his neighborhood. And he comes to the conclusion this would not be the best solution for his son's spiritual life or relational life. 
And he says, maybe if we can get somebody that God would indicate back from my hometown, at least knows that I left everything behind. I'm, we left idols to come live this new kind of life. So he goes to his servant. This is beautiful. Abraham has been become so clear on the fact that he is a worshiper of God. He, he, he loves God that his servant, this man that works in his household, is convinced that God is the source of life and answers. And he says, swear to me that you will go get a, a wife for my son Isaac and you'll go back to my homeland. Now, folks, this is a long journey. Look it up in your Bible how far they had to go. This guy takes a, a, a bunch of money, a bunch of clothes, all sorts of wealth with him. He saddles up and he goes back to find a wife for Isaac. And it says that when he arrives in this land, he stops and he prays. Listen to what it says. Abraham's servant sent to get Isaac a wife, 24, 15. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. I know that sounds like Tennessee. I'm sorry. Relationship there. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. I mean, this is a, this is a testimony, isn't it, about this, this young woman. She's a hard worker. She's working hard. She's a, she, oh, I just think there's so much beautiful about this. But there's also some beauty in, in this, this man praying. If you go on and read the story, it says that, that once he, he recognized his, his prayer had been answered, he sees her and he's like, oh, wow, this is the answer to the prayer I just asked. He goes and meets the family. He realized this is the family that, that, that Abraham wanted him to talk to. He says, my master has sent me. And, and Laban is there. He's going to come up in the story more. Laban is there and he tries to redo the ne negotiation. They try to get this servant to stay longer. He says, oh no, my master is waiting. We've got to go if she's willing to go. They said, are you willing to go? She says, I want to go. This man's got clothes and money and I won't have to herd sheep anymore. This girl saw, she saw something. And so she leaves, she goes home with him. If you read the story, it says that, that Abraham was in the field praying, bowing before God when he sees the servant arriving with her to the land. He knew his prayers had been answered. Doesn't mean life was perfect. It says that Isaac, he fell in love with her immediately, but they couldn't have a child. Genesis 25, 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. This tells us a couple things. Number one, this tells us that children come from the Lord. This tells us that sometimes God's people, even though you're a godly person, a child may not come as quickly as you like or in the way that you like, and you have to trust God for that answer, right? It also tells us that Rebecca had, had abandoned some of her family's notions about idols and whatnot, and now she's praying to the Lord, just like Isaac. So Isaac has led the family spiritually now and passed on 
This love for God, she's seeking God, trying to understand what's going on in her life. There's a lot here, isn't it? Isaac's a man of prayer. She's a, she's a woman of prayer. They're seeking God for their family. There's a lot of lessons in here. She asked God, well, what's going on? And God says, there are two nations within, within you. He lets her know in advance she's having twins. There's a lot to this. Now, this is what I want you to see in this. They end up with two boys. The first one is Esau. Let me tell you about Esau. Esau is outdoor man. As the scripture recognize, represents him, he's got red hair. He's really hairy. He looks like somebody from the NFL. I mean, this dude is big. All right. The other boy is Jacob. Jacob is more of a salesman, a striver is the way the Bible describes him. He is always looking for an angle, a deal. He's a talker. I don't know if he's a metrosexual, if his, if his nails are filed properly and buffed. I don't know that it kind of presents him that way, but you need to know something about him. He is no weenie because later on we, we, we see him in great strength and running a huge ranch, okay? You've been listening to Brave Love Difficult on Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, I, I like that word brave. I always wanted to be brave when I was yeah. a kid. Still do, I guess. Well, I think when I when I actually wrote this sermon series in the beginning, I, I really, I like the idea of brave heart in terms of that yes. character. Uh, William Wallace, you know, he 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 really loved his country. I'm I'm not saying he's perfect, and it's been a long time since I've seen that. But but I like the idea that when we love bravely, it's going to take courage and mm-hmm. it's going to take strength. And that's what I see Jesus did. You know, he he went to the cross, and then he invites us to repent. It takes a lot of guts to repent, yeah. to admit that you're wrong, to confess that, and then make make restitution at times to to walk it out it it takes so much strength and so much courage so that's what i see going on in this uh and and that's why i like it and i want to invite you to the difficult is what i would say absolutely because we believe there's blessings uh, on the other side there's blessings to doing difficult there's blessings being brave blessings to the cross in fact we've put together a free resource that we want to share with everybody about the cross it goes back to the messages we were doing a couple of weeks ago so if you will go to doylejackson.com we will ask for your email put your email in there and we will send you this resource about what the cross does for us yeah we're going to go through the nine attributes of the cross that jesus took on so that we might receive the freedom and the life and and the blessings from god it's really good So again, that's DoyleJackson.com. Go there, give us your email. We'll send you that uh, resource very quickly. And then why don't you come back because we have more for you on Your Next Step. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to help keep us on the air, visit DoyleJackson.com and click Give. That's DoyleJackson.com. You can also send a check to The Church Next Door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. I'm Pastor Doug. 
And Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.